Welcome to Center Stage, a theater podcast. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Dan, I guess. I'm Daniel Higgins. Um, I'm 20... God, how old am I? I'm 24 years old. Uh, I've been doing uh, theater in one way or another since I was 12. So for... No, 10, actually. So for 14 years. And, uh, you know, I live in uh, Long uh, Island Park. And uh, I spend most of my time reading plays and doing plays and writing plays. And, you know, and once in a while I get to talk to people about it. Um, what's your favorite thing about theater? Uh, really, uh, uh, okay, my favorite thing about theater is the fact that it's, theater is this wonderful thing, um, where people are able to portray parts of themselves that you wouldn't normally see, or things that others can relate to, but the fact that it exists in the present, you know, it's not something that you can go back to and see again anything that you witness in any theatrical show that you'll see is a very is unique to the moment in which it was done you know you're never going to see that again yeah. and i think my favorite part about theater is the fact that it's an art form that only lives in the present uh it's not something that you can ever really go back to necessarily when did you know you wanted to be a director um, and I was 17 years old. I went on a, um, a broad trip with my theater program in high school. We went to England and we, it was basically like 10 days of like theater and, and, and excursions in London and the West End. And for one day we took a, um, a drive to Stratford upon Avon, which for those that may not know is the birthplace of Shakespeare. And at that spot, they, uh, had just recently built a brand new theater for the Royal Shakespeare Company, and we had had tickets to see um, the inaugural production in that theater, which was at that time King Lear. And uh, it was this um, unbelievable experience where uh, you're sitting in this theater, uh, you know, it's a quarter thrust, and you're, you're packed together. It's an unabridged performance of King Lear, so it runs clocks at about like three and a half hours okay. with one intermission. And... Uh, uh, there was something about that experience. I think it was the fact that I was one of the only people who stayed awake throughout the entire performance. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I can't really put my finger on what it was about it, but it was the most, at that time in my life, the most enthralling theatrical production that I had ever seen. It was immersive, and, you know, as King Lear was going crazy, the theater <laughs> was literally falling apart around you, and it was this unbelievable experience, and I remember leaving the theater, and I was walking with a friend of mine, her name was Courtney Rubolo, and I looked back at the theater as we were getting on the bus, not sure if I'd ever see it again, if I'd ever come back again, mm-hmm. and I just out loud said, I want to do that. I want to be able to one day do that. And I got on the bus, and the rest of it, they say. <laughs> What's um, your dream show to do? King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite show you've ever done? Oh, girl. Uh, girl. <laughs> girl. Uh, Equus. I'm going to say Equus. You... Uh, that, ex- that was an experience like no other. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Don't drink so much booze. <laughs> um, what steps have you taken to become as successful as you are today? I stopped drinking booze. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, it, it steps towards 
towards um, read anything you can. Read everything you can. Anything you can get your hands on. I don't care if it's a cookbook. <laughs> read. The more you read, the more you learn. Read, read, read. That is the absolute key to any successful person is reading and learning and remain the ability, always remain open to learning something new. That's my advice. Do you have any embarrassing stories about a show or audition? Yes, plenty. You want to hear some? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I know there are stories that people have told me through the grapevine that are really good, that are better than my personal stories. <laughs> like, there's this one, there's this one, this one, my favorite is um, the very famous moment that happened. Uh, someone was doing a production of The Miracle Worker, okay, on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, the production, you know, The Miracle Worker, it's about Helen Keller. Yeah. At, at the opening of the show, oh, the doctor, this doctor is supposed to come out, and he, uh, he he's supposed to tell you know Mr. And Mrs. Keller that Helen is deaf, dumb, and blind, and they're supposed yeah. to be all sad and stuff. Anyway, apparently the guy who was playing the doctor really wanted the part of Mr. Captain Keller and did not get it. So on opening night, he walks on stage, the curtain rises, and the doctor goes, "Mr. and Mrs. Keller, Helen is dead," <laughs> and walks. That's and so much dedication. Stage. Oh my god. Walks off stage, gets in his car, and leaves. And they he, they let they left the kid. They, they killed off the main character in the first fifteen <laughs> seconds of his life. So they're standing there, and then famously, the stage manager comes over through the god mic and goes, "Due to the successes in medical science, they were able to save Helen." <laughs> so, that to me is probably my favorite, my favorite wacky story about theater. That's so funny. What goes into casting a show? God, well, I guess the first thing I would, when it comes to casting, the first thing I, I really would want to say before anything else is that there's this really negative connotation in casting where I think they think that the director is like out to get you or that the, that the music director is out to get you. When in reality, the director and the music director and anyone behind that table is hoping, is rooting that the next person who walks through the door is going to be their perfect X or yeah. Y or whatever character they're trying to find. Mm-hmm. Like, I find that every person I'm rooting for uh, is, is ends, up, ends up being the people that you find that are like, you know the most nervous and all these others. And you're yeah. there, like, you can do it. I'm rooting for them at the end of at the end of the day. But when it goes to casting people, to me, um, it's the ability and remaining is to be open and malleable. You want to you want to work with people who are just as malleable as you are. You want to work with people who are just as flexible and just yeah. to be this, this there should be this ability to 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 alter yourself but also remaining open to the advice and and, and advice the advice and the uh, comments of someone else and it, that's not just from director to actor that's also actor to director a director mm-hmm. can learn a lot as i had said to someone who i just recently cast in a show i said at some point you will know this character more than i will yeah and i will be asking you questions because she's know, the one playing and portraying yeah. exactly because that's a part of the, you know, the beauty of the craft. But when it comes to casting, I'm really just looking for someone who has a great smile, is good, A+. plus. If you can smile, you're, like, great in my book. <laughs> you know, a great smile who just is willing to work and willing to stay open to other ideas. That's, that's basically it for me. How do you pick what show you're going to do next? Okay, girl. Um, God, you're asking the good ones. Um... When it comes to, okay, again, like I said earlier, I read and read and read. Yeah. So, to me, actually, this, this sounds so cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, 
I don't pick the show. The show picks me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's honestly the best way I can put it. Um, there's, there's just this feeling that I get when I've read. I, I'll read play after play, anything I can get. When I'm looking for something to do, which is often, you know, I'll read and read and read and read and read. And I'll, I mean, you can ask anyone who works with me at the theater. I'll be pounding my head against the wall. <laughs> like, I can't find the play. You know, and then eventually I'll find it. And it always comes as, the way I know first is, is, is someone once told me you should read a script three times before you know you should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal is if I can get through the first read, right, yeah. in a day, generally, that's a good sign. You mm-hmm. know, like, you know, usually the first read takes me a while before I read it twice. And if I can't even get to the third, I throw it away. Mm-hmm. But, like, for example, like with Crucible or with um, Equus or things of that nature shows that I, you know, that called to me, yeah. you know, by like halfway through the play, I was like this. And by then, and by then that's, that's usually my key, but usually that's because there's something from the page jumping at me or that is happening in my head uh, that uh, makes me say that it's the correct choice. You know, there's no real yeah. secret, I guess. <laughs> it <laughs> sort of happens. <laughs> what inspires you the most? Okay, weird enough. Um, inspires me to know most three things. Who or what? By the way, did you say who? Uh, who inspires me the most, or what? Anything. What inspires you the most? One of the biggest influences for me in my in my in my career was actually an architect named Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, and if you look up and Google him, which everyone should do, um, the uh, uh, he he was really big on angles and on uh, allowing uh, the building to kind of blend itself into nature, but it didn't look obtuse or against the place in which it was. It looked natural and a part of the existing environment. And to me, that, that, that inspires me the most, uh, that kind of thinking that um, art of any kind should exist to, to kind of enhance its environment, mm-hmm. not to attack it necessarily. Um, and that art is a natural kind of, a natural kind of place that we all go to, that we all eventually kind of in some kind of way express ourselves. And whether that be in theater or whether that be in, you know, painting or it could even be in what your profession is, you know, doctors do it, you know. There's someone, you know, always is going to find the next medical breakthrough, but that is found in passion, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess that, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I don't know. Yeah, that answers it. You. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> um, you're doing the show God of Vengeance, right? Or, no. well, I'm not. I'm not directing it. My theater's doing it. So, oh, okay. I'm, well, no, but I, well, I am technically doing it. So, like, I'm the executive artistic director of a theater called Eastland Theater. It's in mm-hmm. Wausau, and uh, I'm not the only director there. We have other directors, yeah. and you know, I work really closely with those directors, and I really work on how to, you know, execute their vision and mm-hmm. you know, enhance their vision. So, yes, I am doing God of Vengeance, but okay. it's not. I'm not the director behind it. Could you tell us a little bit of, about the visions for the show? Uh, vengeance. Well, um, Nicole uh, Saban is the director, and she's a wonderful, 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 wonderful woman. Uh, one of my biggest, uh, I would say, um, inspiration, uh, you know, inspirations right now. She's yeah. a wonderful collaborator, and she, uh, her vision right now is really very much kind of, um, I see it as descending into the dream. That's how I described it to her, is that we kind of set this idea with these clothes lines, which is usually, which we use to kind of set the times. It's mm-hmm. 1920s, you know, East New York, 
So we have these clotheslines that have these cloths on it that we use to divide the stage because the stage is supposed to be divided into upstairs, downstairs. Uh So we use the cloth, which you can see through, through lighting it the right way. So that way you can have the simultaneous scenes happening and still creating the upstairs, downstairs. That's cool. So, yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. (laughs) So, so, but as that, as the show progresses, you know, when we get towards the end, it becomes a lot more dreamlike and like, it really doesn't even become about upstairs, downstairs, and the cloth starts to represent more than just a division of space. Um, it really very much paints the picture. It, it, that's the best way I can put it, really. And I have the last question now. What advice, if any, do you have for teens aspiring to pursue a career in theater, whether that be like an actor, actress, director? Um, don't sit on your fucking couch all day. And please keep the curse word in there. Don't <laughs> sit on the fucking couch all day. That's the best advice I can give. Go outside, go to an art museum, go see a play. Even if the play is shit, go see it anyway. <laughs> You'll learn something. You'll learn something. Even if it's, like, not how to do things. It's yeah. still educational. Learn. Learn. Be open to learning everywhere. I haven't, I don't know the fucking, the fucking, like, anything about theater yet. I haven't even started, right? And I've yeah. been doing it for 14 years. So, like... Seriously, I've met people who've been doing theater for 35 years, and they, by the way, have yet to learn it. Mm-hmm. You're never going to figure it out, but the only way you're going to is if you try to. And anyone who tells you that your time is due to you and that you can just sit on your couch and eventually someone will find you is full of fucking crap. You've got to get up, you've got to be active, and you've got to pursue your dreams actively. Because if you don't, they're not going to happen. Get up, pick up a book, get a play ticket, go to an art museum, and allow yourself to be inspired and continue to work. Constantly. Always be working.